something that I've always taught in Automation Academy is that it's really easy to automate the wrong things and just like take away all kind of awareness of what's going on in that mm-hmm. process. And that by choosing not to automate certain things, you can actually improve your workflow a lot. Think you need to know how to code to build software? Think again. The landscape of software is changing. Building software products and tools is no longer limited to just that secret sect of coders and developers. Now, building software has been democratized. No-code tools allow you, yes you, to build your own software, which means you can build custom products, services, and tools on your own without having to spend piles of money developing custom software, which means you can build custom products, services, and tools on your own without having to spend piles of money developing custom software. And there are lots of ways you can use this technology to benefit your business. You can streamline and automate internal processes. You can build tools and resources to diversify your revenue streams. You can even use these tools to market your business and bring in new clients. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. Last week, I talked to Jason Stats about using no-code tools internally to automate and scale processes and to improve client communication. This week, we're talking about using no-code tools to actually build your own custom software products. Now, often when we think about a product-based business, we think about physical products or maybe a software as a service style business, but there are so many more ways that you can harness no-code tools to build your own apps, resources, and tools. And my guest today is the queen of this. Brittany Berger is the founder of Work Brighter, a digital media company that helps productive unicorns go beyond working smarter to a version of productivity that makes room for unproductive things like rest and self-care and fun. And she builds all kinds of no-code tools and resources and sells them. That's actually the foundation of her business model. And she uses them in a lot of different ways. We'll talk about this more in detail during the episode, but Brittany sells the tools individually as standalone products. They make up a good chunk of the value proposition behind her community, which is the Work Brighter Clubhouse. And she uses them to help folks who take her courses implement faster and easier. Brittany and I talk about how her business is structured around these tools, how she comes up with ideas for new no-code products, and what her development process looks like to build and refine these products. Hey, Brittany, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So, talking no-code today, and you have built a pretty good chunk of your business around providing tools and resources to help folks manage their work, manage their productivity, help other people manage their work. Can you tell me a little bit about how your business is kind of structured right now? I've got, I know you've got the, the Brittany Berger empire, which has some tools and the work brighter empire, which also has some tools, but what are you selling today? Give me kind of the lay of the land of the business. All right. So yes, there's two different businesses. They, what they have in common is that they're both all about helping people work less. And yeah, like you said, making work easier. Work brighter kind of addresses more the mindset, more general side of things is more general productivity. And then work 
writer. And then I mean, BrittanyBurger.com is just kind of like that same mindset, but very specific to marketers and content marketing. So they kind of both have the same ethos, but it was getting really confusing marketing to such different audiences under one umbrella. So that's why they're kind of separate, but still have so much in common. And with Work Brighter, actually building tools is really key to starting the membership that is the Work Brighter Clubhouse. I like to say that the three components are tools, training, and support because in memberships, it's so easy to be overwhelmed with content. And so a kind of rule of mine is that for every piece of like informational or consumable content to release, like every time I do a workshop, it needs to have at least one tool along with it, whether that is a printable thing that like it's an offline tool, whether it is uh, some kind of spreadsheet template, whether it's just a list of journaling prompts, I need to actually design things, uh, like kind of tangible things to help people put the consumable content into action. And that's kind of how I like to make sure I'm making it easy for people to implement. And yeah, so, yeah, I love <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think I think you're right about community that there's so there's so much now that you have to be very specific. And I love personally, as somebody who is in the clubhouse, <laughs> I love the tools and having the resources to kind of easily implement kind of really conceptual things like I like having the tangible tactical go do this fill in this thing yeah I, I love filling this thing <laughs> and especially since the stuff I teach in both businesses it's definitely it's not just teaching people how to do stuff it's teaching them how to do it pretty differently from what they know and there's a lot of changing the ways of thinking involved and so this is just kind of I've realized that tools are a way to let me really hold someone's hand through the whole process without actually holding their hand because that kind of service I'm not interested in. And so yeah, like given that I was really looking to help people implement, but I wasn't looking to help them one on one tools have been a really awesome way to sort of productize my implementation knowledge and my processes and stuff like that. And so yeah, and then so there's the clubhouse, there's all of that. And those tools are things around productivity and self care. So we have things like journaling templates and uh, notion templates for project management and journaling prompts for anxiety and stuff like that. But then in BrittanyBurger.com, the whole mission is around helping marketers win more customers from less content. And so the, the main product I have there is the Content Remix Planner. And it just started off as my own spreadsheet that I was using for myself. And then that turned into an Airtable base. And then that turned into a template that I sold. And I'm now like sort of developing that into other tools too, so that even if you don't use Airtable, you can still use the thought process and the thinking and stuff like that in the tool of your choice. Yeah, I love that part of the kind of community that has evolved. And I think it's really um, interesting to watch like the community evolve around Notion, because there was a real community that evolved there in a way that it hasn't around other no code tools. You know, yeah. they, they really ended up with this like, ecosystem of people that are like hey let me show you what i do in yeah. the place that i do it in a way that nobody else is really doing it but notion's not my tool of choice but i love watching them and then taking kind of the learning of the workflow and what they're doing and applying it in my own system because so many of them are so customizable now it's the 
how do you approach your work that I think is really interesting that people are sharing around and then being able to turn it around into whatever tool that you happen to be using to kind of implement that. Exactly. And while Notion is like the tool for me, it is my love, my my desire, my everything. I get that it's not for everyone else. And so I would just rather build tools for the tool for build build tools inside of the apps people are already using than like also spend time convincing someone who Notion may not work for, like convincing them to use my tool of choice. And that's another kind of fun thing about building tools like as part of my business now is that like, I know that Notion is the best tool for me, but I also want to learn and get nerdy and play with all of these other tools. And if I weren't like actually producing tools for customers and stuff like that, I would have less of a reason to do that. You know, like it would just be shiny object syndrome to go off and learn Coda too. But I know that, you know, there are going to be a lot of potential customers that would rather use Coda than Notion. And so I can just build a template for them. So it's kind of a way to, to monetize playing around in all of the tools I don't personally need. Yeah, that sounds ideal. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to do that. I just want to play around in all the different tools all day. My figure out how to plan. do the same thing in different things. Yeah. Sounds perfect. Yep. So right now, your business has a very heavy emphasis on selling these tools, either as their standalone product or as part of a community. But talk to me about how you kind of evolved into that? Did you start out with the idea that your business was going to be focused around building tools for people? Or was there kind of a natural evolution as either the tools evolved or your business did? It has just been a totally natural evolution, not even as my business has evolved, because I've been doing no code since before I had my business. Um, but just as I've evolved, I still remember the first course I took that kind of touched on no code principles, and it was in my day job. Um, and it was around being a growth marketer and the technical skills that you could use as a marketer. And it taught no code stuff. It taught like basic coding stuff. And that was in 2015. And so I've been doing stuff since then. And by then I was already using things like Ift and Zapier in my own workflows just to speed up my own work at my day job. That was kind of where I was for, I guess, years, just using no-code stuff in the back end of my life. I eventually moved into teaching other people how to use those tools too. My first kind of foray into my own business was launching a course around how to use automation tools like Ift and Zapier. It's now called Automate work writer automation academy and that i released that course in 2016 and so that led to a few years of both using automation and no code and teaching it but still very much like as as an admin tool as a way to just speed up your work i taught a lot of you know service providers and you know my whole uh mindset was I, I like using no code because it gives me more time to spend on like the deep creative work in my business. And so that was just kind of the also the people that I attracted moved into other people how to do that. And then I think it was just as my business evolved, as I, you know, was looking around, you know, like other, like I said, services and one on one hasn't been the way that I see has never been the way that like I knew my business was going to go long term, whether it was like info products or physical products or what I always knew that I wanted more of a product based business than a one on one based one. 
And so I'm just like thinking of the ways that I could do that. It just evolved to things like, you know, more templates. And especially as I got into like info products, like creating offline printables and looking at them as a tool, like worksheets and stuff like that, and just paying more attention to those designs. And I guess it's really just been in the past year or so that I've really gotten doubled down on building tools as an intentional intentional products. And as I've really started to make the content remix planner, the core of the BrittanyBurger.com business, as I've started building more templates and tools inside of the clubhouse. And I'm even now working on my first mobile web app. I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> so excited about this. So and it's tell so me... close to being ready. Okay. We'll so have it soon. first, talk to me a little bit about the app. Tell me about the app because I saw you, I think, tweet about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have to hear about this. Tell me about why a mobile app and how your kind of development process is going there. All right. So it, it was done totally on a whim because I'm in the MakerPad community where you can learn no code. And it just, they have these challenges, these monthly challenges where you can win prizes and just like build on momentum and stuff like that. And it just kind of so many things came together. And I was like, this timing is too perfect. It is a sign. So number one, some of the prizes that they were, some of the possible prizes on, in this month's challenge were like things that I need. And then I'm going to be buying Black Friday. <laughs> like just like things on my business wish list. So like that made me notice it. And it was, you know, like building a no code app. And I had also been thinking about how I am about to update my energy management challenge inside of the clubhouse, which is kind of the core, the core piece of education. It's the only piece of like content that I recommend all members go through and stuff like that. And I'm about to update that. And the tool that goes alongside it is an energy tracker. And the existing versions that I had were printable, like an offline printable, uh, an Airtable template or a Notion template, but Airtable and Notion, neither of them are that great on mobile, like on the go that much, especially with the type of data that the energy tracker is collecting. And so those have never been ideal because also the like, you know, with some things, those templates are great, like with things like project management, because you're not doing your 90 day plan in detail on your phone. So those tools are fine with that. But the energy management tracker is a very much an on the go thing. And it's something that I knew would be easiest on a phone, but I've never been able to find a good app in my workflow where I could really do that. And so in these no code communities, I was learning about this app called Glide. And it basically lets you build a mobile web app off of the data inside of a Google Sheet. And so it basically like powers up a Google Sheet, turns it into something more like what an Airtable base would be, and then also gives it like lets you design a pretty user interface. But it's just like still all powered on a Google Sheet. And another thing I forgot to mention, one of the versions of the energy management tracker that exists is a Google Sheet. So I was able to literally just upload and connect the sheet that I've had for years into Glide and start designing an app around it. And it's been really awesome and also really frustrating and really fun. <laughs> That's how it always is with a new one is you're like, I, I know it could do this. Yeah. How do I make it do that thing? Exactly. And like last week, I realized that I built most of it wrong because I was just using I was the only app user. And when I finally went to add the second user, 
my fiance, I realized that he could see all my data. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't figure out how to assign the data to a specific user so that we don't just all see each other's. Mm. <laughs> but uh, fixed it now. I am very excited for this because the energy tracker is one of my favorite tools. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I am very excited to use it on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always been the biggest roadblock that I've had that I know other people had and they just didn't know how to solve for it. And now I do. I love that. Is it worth it? Every small business owner wants to know that the money they spend on their businesses is worth it that their investments produce results and help them grow. But if you don't know your business finances in and out, it's hard to know whether those expenses and investments are really worth it. Plenty of business owners, even the successful ones, feel like they're shooting in the dark when it comes to how they spend, save, and invest their money. Like you, they wonder if the ads they're buying, the software they're investing in, or the people they're paying are really paying off. And that's stressful. Feeling unsure about how you're spending or investing your money might be common, but it sure isn't fun. I want something different for you. I want you to feel confident that every decision you make is guided by your financial intel. I want you to be able to decide what actions to take to grow your business from a place of confidence and purpose, not panic, so that you can feel masterful at managing your money instead of inept or just plain scared. I want you to know exactly what's working so you can go all in and make your money make more money. This is what I do for business owners when I step in as their chief financial officer on demand. I help them parse the numbers, look for opportunities, and invest where it counts. We get clear on where they're getting in their own way and where the math just doesn't add up. And now I want to teach you to do the same for your own business, because trust me, you can. Join me for Think Like a CFO. It's a four-month accelerator, online workshop, and small group coaching program where I'll work alongside you so you can start thinking like a CFO and know that every penny you spend on your business is worth it. You'll dig into your relationship to money, put your financial data at your fingertips, and build systems of cash flow, taxes, and budgeting. I'll help you integrate your financial knowledge into your operational systems and technology so that your whole business works better. And by the end, you'll feel wildly capable with your money. Think Like a CFO is starting soon. So go to scalespark.co slash CFO to get all the information and sign up. I can't wait to work with you. Talk to me a little bit about your development process kind of generally for tools. So how do you get from idea to product? How do you decide what tool to build it in? You know, are you building things for yourself first and then just, I needed this so other people might need it? Or are you building things specifically based off of the needs of other people? 90% is based off of my own needs. I feel like that's also a big difference in like a someone who's doing no code professionally versus like hobbyist like I don't take requests <laughs> unless you're in the clubhouse and then I will consider it but yeah it's just like yeah I'm just I everything starts as something that I just wanted to play with 
And like, that's how the energy management tracker started. Like it first started as just an experiment I was doing for myself years before I ever taught it to anyone else. Same thing with the remix planner. It was based on a spreadsheet that I used in my content marketing jobs. So everything just starts off as, you know, me solving my own problems, me trying to make my own life easier, and then trying to make other people's lives easier in the process. (laughs) And in terms of figuring out the product development and what tool to do it in and stuff like that. It is a lot of playing around and trying different things. I do tend to have a little bit of a process in general in just deciding what tool I'm going to use for my own work. And so then by the time something is like a product, they've already kind of figured out kind of where it works well. And yeah, things just evolve a lot. You know, like we've been talking about the energy management app and, you know, it started off the first time I ever tried doing it. It was in a spreadsheet Uh, Then I turned that spreadsheet into a Google form. Then I discovered bullet journaling and I took it offline and into my bullet journal for a while. Then, then I think at that point I added it to the clubhouse. And so that's when it became both an Airtable form and a Notion template. And Mm. um, I've personally been using the Notion template now too. Interesting. So, so it just evolves as, uh, so, and a lot of that's just based on what, is my favorite tool at the time more than learning, oh, there's actually a better app for this. You know, it was like when I was working in Google all the time, it was in a Google app. Once I stopped using Google Suite all day and started using Airtable or Notion all day, that's where it was because it's where it was most convenient. And so now as you evolve products, do you prioritize building versions of an established product in another tool so like going back and adding notion templates to things that you had originally built in Airtable, or do you focus on building new tools that you're excited about or kind of a a balance of both how do you how do you prioritize where you're spending your development time it's a balance a great version of this is the content remix planner because i have been wanting for months to finally dig into a notion version of that a finalized version but i haven't because there are workarounds where you know it exists right now or it's always existed in Airtable, and with the Airtable template you can actually download it as a csv and then you can upload CSVs to Notion. So like Mm. technically there has been a workaround that I can give people to get the Remix Planner into Notion. And so that hasn't been a priority. Whereas creating a custom CSV version that can then be uploaded into any app. I think like it can even be uploaded to Asana if you have the business version where you can do custom fields. I'm trying to figure that out, but like any version. And that also works if you just use Excel or Google Sheets. Like I knew that that would be more accessible and that I needed to prioritize that over the more complicated, but more fun notion version of it. (laughs) That makes sense. So favorite tools to build in these days. And then you did a lot of Airtable in the past. You're pretty excited about Notion stuff right now. Like what's your, what's your go-to if you were starting a new product? Where, where's your favorite place to build? Definitely one of those two. Probably when it comes to building products, I would probably lean towards Airtable first, just because it is automatable. The API is out and, you know, my fingers are always crossed for Notions. And I do think it's pretty close at this point but i feel like it's been really close for like a year and a half (laughs) i know but they've been going really really hard on the hiring for that area of their Mm. business so i feel like i feel like it's 
And they've been hiring not just developers for the API, but like uh, one job posting that got me excited was like the the person that manages the relationships with the people using the, with the other businesses mm. using the API. So if they're hiring that person already, okay, they're, okay. I'll, they're I'll give you a little. Like I've always <laughs> been the hard. Like every time I get an inkling where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'll play around with Notion. I was like, oh no. Yeah. So the I, biggest. I have to have Zapier. I have to have it. Yeah. I can't not have it. Yeah. So the biggest. So that's basically how I decide whether to use Airtable or Notion is if it's something I need to automate. But uh, something that definitely Notion has changed is that. Something that I've always taught in Automation Academy is that it's really easy to automate the wrong things and just like take away all kind of awareness of what's going on in that mm-hmm. process. And like that by choosing not to automate certain things, you can actually improve your workflow a lot. And so I really like that certain things I'm not automating in Notion. Uh, like things like one question I've gotten about the Energy app is that if I would ever automate it, like the, the entries, where like instead of someone rating their energy, it would pull from Fitbit. And I'm like, no, because the whole purpose no. of it is for you to actually check in with yourself and say, how am I feeling? Um, I'm not going to let you automate that. But yeah, so yeah, so stuff Please that... Please don't. D- yeah, d- I, yeah. I have no desire to automate that. <laughs> stuff that doesn't need to be automated is Notion. Because um, you can also, I can also automate around Notion with things like using like Alfred and Keyboard Maestro and Shortcuts, uh, like more machine level automate automation tools. Like when that machine is running Notion, you can kind of do a little bit with it. But yeah, if I have to actually send send things automatically to the to the spreadsheet or whatever, it's Airtable. Yeah, those are my favorites. Zapier, Zapier, yeah, Zap Queen right here. Can't live without it, people. Yeah, and, and it's, it's so what funny. got me into all this. So not only Same. is it so helpful, but like we have it to thank for all of the other stuff too. Yes, I I was thinking. So you know, doing this theme around no code got me started thinking about you know like where did I get my start? And originally, Scalespark started as a software consultancy where I was really focused on the how do you connect this tool to this tool? Because what was what I was finding was that, you know, the software companies really care about how you use their tool. And the other software company really cares about how you use those tools. But there was nobody really kind of like, dealing with the middle ground of if something went wrong, it was always, well, this firm says that it's this other one's problem. And they say it's the first one's problem. And thinking back to like, my early clients, really thought like that I had kind of magical powers (laughs) and the magical powers was literally Zapier and being able to understand how you can use it to take advantage of those opportunities. But and like, that was like three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I I will never forget the first like if I, back then it was called recipe. They're not even called that anymore. First one I set up, And so I just need to, like, give thanks to, like, it all started with Facebook acquiring Instagram. I would not have found automation if it weren't for that. Because when that happened, the first change Facebook made to Instagram was that when you shared your new Instagram post to Twitter, the photo didn't automatically upload anymore. And and Ift was the way around that. And so... Yeah, just... And I remember I remember finding it and then writing a blog post about it. And then that was the rabbit hole. Like that was that was the path. Yeah, that was when I fell down the rabbit hole. So thank you. I think Mark mine Zuckerberg was mine was I'm sure trying to automate exactly. <laughs> like I'm sure mine was trying to like automate data entry into 
my financial system. I'm 100% certain that it's something to do with that. (laughs) So overall, not just no code tools that you like to build in. What is your very favorite tool, software? What can you not live without? If I were going to take it away from you, you would hit me with a stick. Let's see. Aside from no code stuff, I'm going to just I'm bringing up applications right now. I feel like, what do I even use? Because <laughs> I feel like things are so ingrained. I guess probably Todoist. It's probably my longest mm. running productivity tool. I think I've been using it since 2013 or 2014, almost constantly, consistently. I think the longest like break I've ever fallen off to like flirt with another tool has been a few months. <laughs> but like even now, when I have a more detailed project management system set up in Notion, I still have this separate Todoist list every day for my tasks. And it's almost turned into more of a habit tracker now than like a task manager. It's just, but it's just such a great interface that even when I don't necessarily need a to-do list the same way I used to, I just don't even want to stop using the app. That's So I will tell you that Todoist was my go-to for a very long time. And I only quit like a year ago. And I do miss some of the, like, it's just so simple. I miss some of the simplicity. Yeah, like when um, I was moving everything over, almost everything over to Notion, and I stopped using a habit tracker, or I was looking at, I was looking at moving off of my habit tracker, and I created one in Notion, or it's just something. I was looking for a habit tracker app that I could use on both my phone and web, and like none of the good habit tracker apps have a web version or a Mac app anymore. And so I was like, you know what? I can just use Todoist as my habit tracker, and they've got great versions on every platform. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I just did that instead of trying to, you know, research or use a a habit tracker app I didn't like more. I was just like, I like how Todoist works and it can be used for this. That is so interesting because I'm like, I really love the interface and I have tried using a habit tracker in ClickUp. Like I tried moving it and I find I don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just stopped tracking and now every time i talk to you i'm like oh i should try doing that (laughs) that sounds like a great idea (laughs) that is my goal (laughs) because i'm like after our last interview i started putting my self-care stuff in my to-do in my to-do list so i start doing it so every time we have an interview you'll just you know create good habits for me my plan is working (laughs) so what is a kind of a no code trend or a tech trend that you are really excited to kind of see what happens with this is just totally not even like business related or important or automation necessarily or no code but with ios 14 coming out and the home screen customizations that have been popping up on reddit and twitter i have been loving it so much i spent last night creating like a neon vaporwave aesthetic on my phone. (laughs) And it's just, I love it. It's fun. And one thing that I like about it is that in a a lot of ways, if you want to go for more customization, you have to slow down the computer or slow down the phone. So like what a Mm. lot of people are doing for their home screen apps is like creating these custom icons that open a shortcut that opens the app. And so it's like kind of it, actually opens the app a little bit slower. And in doing that, like if you're doing that with something like Instagram or something that can be a time waster, I found personally that that waiting time can be super effective for catching yourself and asking like, wait, should I be doing this right now or not? And Mm. so 
app delays can actually be pretty effective at at curbing your procrastination. And so if you're kind of slowing your phone down, that can be really great for spending, wasting less time on it. But I also like that it's gotten me into more customizations with things like shortcuts, like something that I had wanted to do for a really long time was move Todoist off of my home screen and replace it with a sh- with an iOS shortcut that would let me select which area of Todoist I wanted to go to based on, you know, what I'm working on right now. And it would take me straight there because like even with my to do list can get me distracted because like if I'm going there to look at like my cleaning task that then I see my work tasks and I'm already on like in my work environment whatever and so being able to just like pick something before I open the app that says take me straight to you know the cleaning stuff I have to do and it wasn't until this that I actually like you know wasn't motivated enough to do it and yeah and it's just fun watching people personalize and I feel like in the in the tech community it can it can be so like serious and not fun sometimes and I feel like this update and this trend has just been so the opposite of that and everyone's really leaning into the fact that like sometimes making things prettier and more fun to look at can actually make you feel more effective and I mean you know me and you know that I'm all about balancing the rest and the play with the work and I feel like the new iOS updates are kind of encouraging that a little more i like that yeah i have i have not updated because i'm afraid my phone's gonna break <laughs> i don't think it will i am on a really really old phone um that's i'm like i have an iphone 7 oh i have so... a 6s so yeah okay yours, yours didn't break mine. yeah it did not break okay cool because <laughs> i'm like i'm really afraid i'm gonna upgrade it and then my phone's just gonna grab out yeah and it it's had already pretty... like on its last legs yeah they've been doing longer betas with the with the ios's that i think are the releases should start getting more stable because they're giving developers and stuff like that more time in the beta now. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more about what you do? You can find WorkBrighter at WorkBrighter.co and you can sign up for our weekly Monday newsletter to start your week bright at WorkBrighter.co slash newsletter. And then I am on the socials at thatbieberg everywhere and then workwriter is on instagram at workwriter awesome thank you so much for being here today this is, it's always fun to talk to you thanks for having me hopefully you got some cool ideas from listening to Brittany talk about how she builds and sells these kinds of tools no code software platforms can be used in your business to diversify revenue streams by having a standalone product or resource that you sell Even something as simple as a Notion, ClickUp, or Zapier template that you've spent time developing and refining for your own business could be a potential product. And it's evergreen. Once it's built, it's pretty much there, just like a digital course. You can also use them to help your clients get better results or help them implement processes that you're working with them one-on-one. This could be as simple as a shared project management board. For example, I have a shared ClickUp board with my one-to-one clients to help keep projects on track and make sure we're keeping track of everything that we're working on together. You can use tools like Glide to build a mobile app to help your clients get better results or track their progress like Brittany is doing. You can use tools to help your course students learn better, faster, and give them more tangible and tactical ways to implement what you're teaching them. So there are tons of creative ways you can build products, tools, and resources using no-code tools to help your clients and your students. But you can also use no-code tools to help you market your business and get new clients. Next week, I'm talking to Layla Pomper from Process Driven about just that. 
So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundbeck.